Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold facts since 1986. Today's fact, the Super Mario Brothers movie is made for literally no one except Jake Mason. And to that end, we have brought on a guest today to help us talk about this movie, the aforementioned Jake Mason. How's it going, Jake? Uh, it's going good. Yeah, they did make this movie just for me, uh, which is weird because I was one and a half at the time. <laughs> And it's also a bad movie. <laughs> so we are talking today about the Super Mario Brothers movie that came out in 1993. There's a reason if you're younger than basically this group here, you may not have heard of it. It's because Nintendo likes to print it never happened. <laughs> yeah, this is buried deep in their archives. It is their, I wouldn't say a secret shame. It's pretty much an open shame that they don't talk about to the point where like you can't stream this movie in canada and i couldn't find a dvd copy anywhere so i actually had to get in touch with the super mario brothers movie archive smbmovie.com and they helped with the blu-ray release in the uk and they sent me an mp4 of this movie so i could do this podcast thank you smbmovie.com you saved the podcast (laughs) (laughs) annie and i couldn't find a stream either actually in the u.s and you could order it via amazon but what we we both ended up doing which is watching it with the riff tracks version because there's a video on demand there which makes a lot of sense in hindsight as to why they actually got the rights to do a video on demand considering that it's not just canada you can't stream this shit in the united states either i had to borrow the dvd from josh i swear it was on netflix at some point but too. now it's just dvds I, what i explicitly remember about it is sitting on netflix going yeah And then calling whoever was living with me at the time into the room so they could watch it with me and having them just leave. I mean, that's (laughs) that's fair. So am I the only one who actually saw this one in theaters? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was 93. I thought it was 91 for whatever reason. So I was four and not younger than that. And I definitely did not go see this in theaters. This was the first time I had seen a film that I didn't immediately enjoy because I was like a child and had terrible taste. I would have been like five or six, I guess. I remember this feeling of, oh, that was that was could I, I i liked it i liked it right did i like it <laughs> it's a growing experience for tiny annie you know i'm actually really glad that you brought up the uh super mario brothers archive i'm glad they helped you with finding this movie kit because their website was um integral to my experience uh watching this movie because they have samples at least if not the full script from every iteration of this movie oh my god oh i wish i would have known about this it's a dream so uh important note before we proceed i didn't have a nintendo growing up because i was raised by hippies (laughs) (laughs) and they only let me play educational games i didn't get a console till i was like 15 so like oh i don't know what a zelda is wait you didn't even have mario typing no mario paint nope mario lost in time nope mario is missing nope that one is ostensibly an educational game i think no marios it was like city building games about ancient rome and that's it just that that was it i'm kind of terrified by this kid i'm sorry this is how you're finding out that i was raised by wolves but i met your parents were they wearing oversized hats we played dungeons and dragons with your mom yeah i kind of love the idea i think i'm supposed to be the person on the podcast that likes this movie and i should probably start trying to fill that role you don't have to i think this is a perfect adaptation of a mario movie circa 1993 video games don't work the same way movies do and i think what they did is really inventive 
and very ambitious. And I don't mean to put these question marks at the end of my sentences, but I'm trying to convince myself more than anyone, I think. It's a very, very well thought out cyberpunk dinosaur interdimensional AU of Super Mario Brothers. I just don't know why they did that. That's my favorite part about this movie, though, is that the way that the Gem of the Holograms movie feels, it feels like it was a separate script that some Gem of the Holograms stuff got grafted onto later on. It's Popstar Mystery Club. But this one from the ground up is unequivocally a Mario Brothers movie. There are too many things too deep into the plot that rely on, oh, it's that thing from Mario. Okay, look, if we even start to get into exactly how this movie is a mess, that's the whole thing the podcast is going to be about. And I want to talk about the movie because there is so much about this movie that is a huge mess just in production. If someone kickstart a re-release where we can get a Blu-ray over in America because it's not available here, it is only available in Europe, what I can only assume out of deference to Bob Hoskins. There's definitely a couple scenes missing because like this movie just feels like they forgot to put in some scenes. There are a lot of really abrupt cuts in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And then also I want Goomba subtitles because I got to know what they're talking about. So we start out with the bleepy bloopy Mario 3 music just to remind you of what a good video game is. Just to remind you of all the whimsy that you will not find here. There's whimsy in this movie. There's a little whimsy. It's a, like it's like a dirty, grimy whimsy. This movie opens with my first instinct is to say pixel art, but it's not really pixel art so much as what happens when you run a high res photo through a cross stitch pattern making software. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's pictures of dinosaurs. And it's narrated by Dan Castellaneta, which is wild. (laughs) Dan Castellaneta, Homer freaking Simpson. Homer Simpson. So look, here's the thing. This prologue here, as far as I could reckon, again, thanks smbmovie.com. Apparently this prologue here was never in any script. (laughs) (laughs) They added this one at the last freaking minute because audiences still weren't getting this parallel dimension crap. (laughs) And you know what? I still don't get it. I don't understand what's not to get. When the meteor hit the Earth, it somehow found all the dinosaurs and sent them to hell. And then in (laughs) hell, they evolved into humans. Yeah. And have cars that, like, run on electricity, sort of. (laughs) Dan, to his credit, is really selling this, like, extremely drunk, panicked Brooklyn guy at the bar narration (laughs) of, like, what if the meteor impact created an alternate dimension? And what if they found a way back? And at the end of what if they found a way back is the title screen of the f***ing movie. (laughs) I would love to imagine that like somebody is just channel flipping late at night and the start of this movie comes on and they don't know what this movie is. And after that intro, Super Mario Brothers appears on screen. I would love to know how they would react to that. (laughs) Once we get properly into Dino New York, I don't know if there's a name of this city or not. I I don't remember. Oh, it turns out it's called Dino Hatton. Okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh, Which is the worst thing I can imagine. That's the worst thing you could imagine. You couldn't even come up with something that flowed better? Like, I don't know, Dinotopia? No, wait, that's taken. Dinooklin! Dinooklin! Well, here's the thing about Dinohattan is Manhattan has humans in it. Oh! So Dinohattan has dinos in it. So before all that, though, we go to New York 
30 years ago. And we have like a hooded woman coming up through the sewers, which in New York is not that weird, and leaving some garbage on the like front step of a church. A nun opens the door and like sees the garbage and brings it inside. This is a nun in New York. I would just assume that somebody left trash on my doorstep. This hooded woman is also wearing like huge spikes on her shoulders. And again, as always, can we bring pauldrons back? <laughs> I would love it if we could bring pauldrons back. I don't think we're very far away from it. I mean, I saw the Met Gala this year. So, like, she runs back into the sewers and is accosted by Dennis Hopper, who just stands in the sewers in full military dress. As you do. Again, not different, not very out of the ordinary in New York. Maybe now, RIP and peace, Dennis Hopper. Am I making up that he is at this point called General Koopa? I remember him being called that. He looks like a General Koopa, so maybe he is one. I would have to go back and check the extremely high-res file that smbmovie.com <laughs> sent me. I was going to say, fortunately, if anyone here should do it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole bunch of shaky cam and some dudes and nothing really makes any sense, but it's basically implied that this lady dies. Oh yeah, she's wicked murdered in this sewer. Meanwhile, back at the nunnery. Man, I can't believe I watched a scene where an egg hatches into a human baby while surrounded by nuns in a movie not directed by David Lynch. I love that in this movie, these nuns take in this spaceship and there's an egg inside of it and they go, okay, sure, let's all stare at this for 20, 40 minutes. And the egg hatches and there's a baby and they don't take the baby and put it in the fireplace right next to them immediately. Like, I feel like any nun would. There's a little bit of eggshell placed delicately right over this baby's belly button because somebody in production got really pedantic about umbilical cords <laughs> and whether or not this egg-laying species would have them. This is where the scientific accuracy comes in. This is the only scene in the movie that has any attention to it. Don't get used to it. And after this scene, which is not about plumbing or turtles or mushroom people this opening scene of the mario brothers movie we now go to a house that has a plunger katana rack that's right is where mario and luigi live can we please talk about luigi's extremely 90s look john leguizamo didn't even go to the costuming department that day he just showed up and they were like you're in buddy go why wasn't he wearing green at all he puts on a hoodie later and it's red Power Rangers does this better. So in this scene, we get the basic gist of our characters in what questionable arcs they may or may not have, which is that Mario, bless your heart, Bob Hoskins, still attempts to be charming in this movie despite being extremely drunk. Bob Hoskins, Mario, is a realist and sarcastic and a little bitter, but Luigi is a believer. It, well, he's watching like AM radio, the TV show, and they're just talking about, are they actually talking about the dinosaur stuff on the TV? They definitely meant offhand the missing brooklyn girls because it's a good movie they're laying out details for the rest of the film it's a good movie these are chekhov's missing brooklyn girls and one girl from queens yeah well she's all right at some point mario gets a phone call about a job downtown my favorite part about this is that mario is luigi's older brother and they live together and mario is maybe 40 years older than luigi <laughs> And their relationship is still the same that, like, my brother and I have. My favorite part of this is how apparently plumbers are called and then sent to a race to see who can arrive to a place fastest, and that's how plumbers get their jobs. Also, this is where we introduce one of Luigi's just errant character traits, where he's got, like, extrasensory navigation skills. This never comes to anything. It's just something he has. They're going to a restaurant, right? Is that, there's, like, a, some sort of backup? Broken dishwasher. And they get there and Scapelli's there. Meanwhile, we do a bunch of very quick cuts here, and one of 
of them is going to a dig site, which is right near the Brooklyn Bridge, which is where we meet Daisy. Now, keep in mind that at this point, these are the names that we were going with in the United States. It was Mario, Luigi, Princess Toadstool, or sometimes Daisy, and then King Koopa instead of Bowser, as he was later known internationally. So we're sort of playing fast and loose here with names. But the important thing is we're about to meet Daisy, who is an important Mario character, sort of. Yeah, she's not in any of the main Mario games that would have come out. So like Peach was a known commodity at this point. And they're like, let's go with Daisy from that one Game Boy game. We liked her a lot. I think the reason for it is because like Luigi and Daisy, like the romantic uh, relationship is between them. But like Peach just isn't in it at all. So full disclosure, guys, Daisy is, I think in retrospect, I may or may not have some kind of crush on Daisy as a kid. I can't tell you why Daisy's very cute, but she is very cute. Especially when she's in her paleontological getup. Oh, she is so cute in that. You're right. This movie came out less than like two weeks before Jurassic Park did. Oh, no. I think that's why it didn't do well in theaters. And no no other reason. (laughs) No other reason. (laughs) So Daisy is a student in charge of this dig site, and she is basically standing up to the evil Scapelli who has come down to vaguely threaten about them leaving because something something construction site? Yeah, she's in get in the way of business. Because dinosaurs are bad for construction. Also, it's like definitely implied in this line that Scapelli is the one responsible for the girls going missing in Brooklyn. Which turns out to be... Not true. Turns out to be the two assholes we're about to meet. Speaking of which, we then pan over to a guy leaving a hot dog stand. And he gets into a cab with this other guy. And he hands him off the hot dog and he says, Here, I hear it's made from real dog. Then they throw out the buns and then eat the hot dog's whole. This bothered me. This was a plot hole for me because later they have buns in Dino Hatton. I know! (laughs) I had the same problem! Do you just waste the food in Dino Hatton, too? These are Iggy and Spike. Iggy is the name of one of the Koopa kids. And Spike is that guy you sometimes fight in the castles, I think? Iggy and Spike are here to get the princess. They're the ones kidnapping the Brooklyn girls, and they've been wrong, I guess, eight times so far. I don't know what criteria they have to go off of. They list out their criteria. It's two arms, two legs, and a head. Okay, that doesn't narrow it down a ton. Even if you're in Dino Hatton. Daisy, meanwhile, is looking for a phone because this is back when you had to go looking for a phone if you needed to call somebody. Spike and Iggy chase after her and they do a window gag. Why don't movies do window gags anymore? Womp womp. So Luigi and Mario, meanwhile, their truck broke down a little. So Mario's going to do some engine fixing things. It's not a very good bit. And Luigi, meanwhile, has decided to just, instead of calling to check their voicemail messages to see if they got any jobs, Luigi just hands the phone off to Daisy for the low, low price of let me stare at you from two feet away. After seeing John Leguizamo in To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, I have a hard time believing any character of his is sincerely attracted to women. So Luigi does the amazing thing, which is, oh, I heard you say your name over the phone, so now I know your name. You want to tell me your address, too? Do you want to ride in my broken van? Things normal people who aren't creepy say. He's immediately like, hey, our van sucks. Do you want to ride? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, no. And then Mario's also there, and I like Bob Hoskins fine. He doesn't look more trustworthy than Luigi at this moment. (laughs) So I don't know why you would jump into that van anyway. But he's like dumb nice, so she's okay with it. 
Bob Hoskins is, I know he hated this movie. I know it was one of the worst things he says that he's ever made, but he still manages to be like kind of charming in this movie, which is a monumental feat considering all of the rest of it. It's an interesting character choice that they made Mario like a big curmudgeon because he's like the star of all these games and has literally zero personality besides jumps. (laughs) And... I just think by letting Bob Hoskins be grumpy in a movie where he is, as a human being, grumpy about (laughs) being in the movie, I think a lot of it comes through. And it is, like, weirdly charming. They actually get Daisy in the the crappy van. They drive her to the dig site. And Mario basically bullies Luigi into asking Daisy to dinner. For some reason, Daisy, being an idiot, says yes. Can I tell you something about the scene where he asks her to dinner? Yes. I quote it all the time. Do you eat is maybe one of the most often things I say when I am hungry and want to know if someone else is hungry. (laughs) 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 I don't know why asking if she eats is just the funniest part of this movie to me. But it has it is stuck with me forever. I mean, this is a very skinny girl in New York in the early nineties. There's a very good chance she doesn't. Also, she's a dinosaur, so or maybe a mushroom. I want to know Daisy's like biology. So does Luigi. Well, yes. <laughs> no! I don't. This movie does, plays real fast and loose with the laws of evolution. It also plays real fast and loose with the laws of geography too because that night at dinner daisy is like we found iridium in the dig site so i guess this could be what killed the dinosaurs here so i guess the chicxulub crater just kind of migrated north from the yucatan then the scene is also notable for introducing daniela who's mario's girlfriend who is amazing she's my favorite Uh, i don't know why Uh, well i mean i do know why i mean i have a very specific type and it's kind of jersey girls and i guess that also just that crosses the tunnel too (laughs) (laughs) so we get the explanation here for mario and luigi being brothers which is that they're not (laughs) (laughs) well they are but mario raised him because he's 40 years older than him (laughs) And I guess his 90-year-old mother died in childbirth because she was very, very old. (laughs) Luigi and Daisy both say that they basically never knew their parents. And they're like, that means we should date. These f***ing nerds. And then Daniela's like, hey, why don't you two go away and we'll drive the van home and let you walk home? In the middle of the night in Brooklyn. In 1993 Brooklyn. Yeah, maybe in 1993 Brooklyn that was less of a death sentence. Well, there's these turtles around. No, wait, they're in Manhattan. (laughs) Shit. They don't come over to Brooklyn. Uh, Not at this time of night. However, two dinosaur dudes are here who are sort of like turtles, but I guess they're dinosaurs. They kidnap Daniela. Because they think it's Daisy in a disguise. Don't worry, they're idiots now, but later they get smart and they're still the worst. I think they might be worse when they're smarter. And meanwhile, Daisy and Luigi go on a midnight rendezvous to the dig site to go look at some hilariously fake bones. She says they found iridium there, which is evidence of a meteorite, but what they actually found is a complete dinosaur skeleton that looks like a person. It looks like somebody made their scaly furry character and then drew a skeleton. (laughs) Also, I feel like paleontological sites have better drainage than this. No, this is like partially in a sewer or something. At some point, they built a sewer and they didn't notice the dinosaur bones in it. This movie might be bad, actually. Anyway, time for some industrial sabotage, I guess. Yeah, Scapelli's goons break a water main or something. 
You know how they checked their messages on the phone when they stopped at that public place or they met Daisy because, you know, ostensibly that meant they were too far from home to go check the voicemail themselves? Sure. Luigi and Daisy run home to Mario's apartment. Luigi's saying, I know exactly what to do. Smash cut to, hey, Mario, we need you. (laughs) How far did they run to get there? And then they have to run all the way back. Yeah, and it's not absolutely destroyed yet. What's great about this movie is that it keeps like deliberately introducing obstacles that can only be solved by plumbing. It's like the screenwriters took personal umbrage with the fact that Mario being a plumber never actually factors into the games and decided to fix that. He goes down pipes and so he's a plumber. But in when they were writing this movie, I guess there was like 95 writers on this movie, something like that. But like at some point they went, he's a plumber, damn it. And we are going to make him plumb. Anyway, God bless Bob Hoskins. So... Mario and Luigi do some plumbing miracles. And meanwhile, Iggy and Spike just sort of reappear. They knock out Mario and Luigi and they nab Daisy. And then we get the main thrust of a good chunk of the script from here on out. Daisy! Luigi! Daisy! Luigi! Dr. Scott! So they drag Daisy to hell. Luigi has to chase after her and he jumps into because the wall is all between the space between dimensions. So it's fuzzy or whatever. It looks like goopy sand. Someone just had a like CG file of quicksand and they put it on a wall instead of the ground. And they were like, here it is how you get to dinosaur land. My favorite part about this is that Mario does not want to go and spends maybe five entire minutes avoiding going in the wall. And it's very funny. God bless Bob Hoskins. Anyway, time for a CGI sequence. It looks like a zoom of a geode or something. I I cannot describe the sequence for the life of me, except that I think it happened on Winamp when I played Green Day. I had the screensaver. Mario and Luigi appear in hell. And hell is a post-apocalyptic Mad Max city? Yep. What is this set design? (laughs) You know how when you do a play and you only have the one set and so you got to make it look like a lot of things? It looks like that. They were like, it's Manhattan, but it's all of it at once. But it's also dinosaurs. That tracks. This set looks like it's about 50 square feet, if that. Also, all of these people on the street are ignoring a woman being dragged away as she screams for help. Well, it's it's a post-apocalyptic. That just happens. Yeah, sometimes you just get dragged away. Maybe you're turned into food. It doesn't seem, it seems like their only import and export is garbage. <laughs> so I don't know how this city operates. Poorly. Very poorly. Clearly. <laughs> Meanwhile, we get like a bit of back and forth between Mario and Luigi about how, like, what are we in Manhattan? I haven't been to Manhattan in a couple of weeks. Maybe it turned into hell since the last time <laughs> we were there. There's also like, all the people here are like various stages of human and dinosaur later on we will get like a very detailed description of how they evolved and it seems like not a lot of people made it over the hump (laughs) (laughs) there's also a lot of fungus around which is something important for later so now we meet dennis hopper again as he re-explains the entire premise of the movie he's a germaphobe you know like bowser is (laughs) (laughs) like dinosaurs If there's one character trait I know about Bowser, it's that he's a germaphobe. And he has a little diary about how much he likes Princess Peach. Yes, exactly. And he writes his name next to hers and always includes... Mr. Bowser Toadstool. Exactly. Mr. B. Toadstool. Mr. P. Toadstool. King Mr. Toadstool. (laughs) If he married Princess Peach, would he become a prince? Prince consort Mr. Toadstool. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! So President Koopa has a wife, 
or or a girlfriend or I there's this lady here named Lena. I don't know what she's supposed to be. She is played by Aunt Petunia from Harry Potter. That's who it was. I didn't want to look it up, but this entire movie I was like, where do I know her from? She has a very <laughs> sharp I face. Too, and I didn't want to look it up either because I was very lazy, but that's that's where she's from. <laughs> she hates mammals and magic. And orphans. So it turns out that Koopa didn't really need Daisy at all. What he actually needed more than anything else was the meteorite that Daisy always wears around her neck that was, like, attached to her little egg spaceship when she was a baby. This meteorite piece, this is often referred to as the rock in this script. You know how MacGuffins, how they work, they usually have, like, an unexplained purpose and only exist as a thing that everyone wants and it doesn't really matter what they actually do. They're just the important thing you need to get. Sure. What if instead of that, what if we just explained up front what the MacGuffin is for and why we want it? That is certainly one way to go. I hope it comes back in a way that is not completely weird and out of nowhere at the end of the movie. Koopa is told that there are plumbers. And he says, plumbers, and turns to someone and says, sound the plumber alert. Which is a thing they have. There must have been a draft of this movie at some point. And I think I found evidence for that on smbmovie.com in one of the earlier versions. There must have been a prophecy stating that Koopa could only be overthrown and the rightful ruler restored by plumbers. Because this is a big freaking city. Surely there's indoor plumbing. Surely this is an occupation that is necessary. So why would he be so upset at the very idea of plumbers does that mean that in one version of this movie at some point in the past like he went through the yellow pages and found all the plumbers and just had them summarily executed like (laughs) just like one by one like get rid of all the plumbers like what happens if there's a clog deal with it i don't know i don't care we're getting rid of the plumbers and now they're back and he is not happy about it has to be it right there's no other way so they have sounded the plumber alert meanwhile mario and luigi are just sort of wandering aimlessly in the city They run into, like, an old woman who hits them with a taser. See, it's an evil city. Even the old ladies can't be trusted. And that's where we meet a character that will later be identified as Big Bertha, which in the Mario video games is a big red fish. Here she's a gigantic black lady in a spiky red dress, and she looks amazing. It's a good look. I want to hang out with her. She also has very cool boots that make you jump. Because, you know, Mario jumps. Yeah. He's very good at jumping. Well, he needs good boots to do that. She nabs the meteorite shard and then puts it around her neck, nestles it in her ample cleavage, and then jet boots away. Like you do. This is the most casual jet booting you could possibly do. She just, like, clicks her heels and then, like, stares at them and does not move a muscle as she is, like, flying away over this gap in the street. Does not break eye contact the entire time. It's a power move. In some alternate universe of ours, not of Mario's, there is a uh, Super Mario Bros. cinematic universe, and the Big Bertha movie probably kicks ass. shit, yeah. (laughs) Then just to be weird, after they have been accosted by Bertha, they meet up with Canadian singer-songwriter Mojo Nixon, who just lives here and is called Toad. And he's not wearing a hat, his hair just looks like that. He's just like a weirdly aggressive busker. Slash revolutionary. Toad gets arrested for being Mojo Nixon. And saying mean things about Koopa. What I love is that these cops are wearing leather jackets with police bedazzled in spikes on the back. So Mario and Luigi are arrested as well for being plumbers. And then we get like five seconds of a scene where Daisy meets up with Daniela and the other missing Brooklyn ladies. 
And they say, oh, they're looking for a princess. I guess none of us fit the bill. And right after the end of the word bill, it cuts really, really abruptly. Like that scene was originally much longer and they couldn't find a good place to cut. And what we do instead is we go to prison where we have the best and maybe only joke in this movie. Because they book Mario, they ask him his first name, he says Mario, they ask him his last name, and children around the world hold their breath. Finally, finally we will know what Mario's last name is. <laughs> What's it's also Mario. Oh. There's an entire fucking Three Stooges bit. Because it also turns out that Luigi's last name, they're like, first name Luigi. And the guy's like, let me guess, Luigi, Luigi. And John Leguizamo looks at him like he just said the stupidest thing on earth. And he says, no, Luigi Mario. How many Marios are there? There's three. There's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. And he's counting on his fingers. And I also say Luigi Mario and Mario Mario all the time. I will give John Leguizamo credit. He has the comedic chops to actually pull this bit off. He does. <laughs> anyway, then there's a bit where Luigi and Mario are put up against a wall and like laser sights appear on their forehead and they think they're about to be killed via firing squad. Only it turns out they're just getting their mug shots taken, you know, for the kids. <laughs> they think they're going to die. Then they get thrown into, um, I don't know how to describe this besides like a kennel. It's like a really cheap, bad dog kennel. Fortunately, though, they are right next to their friend Toad, the revolutionary, who is singing songs about how Koopas mean. And this is where we get our third explanation. And we get the whole thing again, and they talk about evolution a lot. They have the same grasp on evolution that, like, Digimon has on evolution, which is to say, not a lot. There's a scene where Luigi and Mario are brought in to see King Koopa, only he's pretending to be their lawyer named Lazard. He's like, Koopa's like this evil, terrible son of a snake, and then is like, give me the rock now, though. Uh, and they're like, we don't have it. And so he jumps them. And they start fighting back, and then the cops, I guess, tase them again. And then he reveals one minute after setting up this whole ruse that, no, he isn't Larry Lazard or whatever his name was. He is King Koopa. Which we already knew from a previous scene. Is this what Hitchcock describes tension as? <laughs> yes. I think they're trying for dramatic irony. I don't know if they know that. So speaking of a terrible grasp on evolution, let's go to the Devo chamber. Oh, can we please? It has nothing to do with whipping it or whipping it good, unfortunately. They say uh, de-evolution several times in the same way that you would, in a movie, say something that you are making up entirely from whole cloth. Because they're like, de-evolution, when you go backwards in evolution? And they're like, right, de-evolution. Yeah, yeah, de-evolution. And then eventually they're like, all right, everyone's probably comfortable. We can just call it the Devo chamber now. Toad has also been drugged into this room for reasons, I guess. Everyone else seems to have been imprisoned for a while, but Toad's crimes against humanity were too great. Dinomanity. I'm not sure how that's how you want to conjugate that, but okay. Look, I made a judgment call and it wasn't great. <laughs> you know what? I don't blame the writers for making a bad movie anymore. It's hard to come up with dino jokes. <laughs> Also, I love that you're a lousy leader is the best insult Toad can come up with. It's true. As he is about to be basically marched off to his death, he's like still screaming exposition about the king because we have to get this information into the movie somehow. So his head gets put in the little thing and that turns him into what Dennis Hopper says for the next 12 minutes, which is Goomba! Goomba! Go Goomba! Join the Goomba! Walk tall, be proud! Goomba! I mean, they look nothing like Goombas. I feel like that's like given at this point. Even if you've never seen the movie, you can probably tell by now that it's not even close. But how did they look at a little mushroom boy walking around with an angry face and go, you know what? 
that's probably a seven foot tall dinosaur in like a trench coat. With a little teeny head. You know, the opposite of a Goomba where they're all head and no body. <laughs> anyway, now we find out the two guys from Brooklyn are better at fighting than the entire Royal Guard, which I can honestly believe. I buy it. Mario just shoves Koopa into the chair and Luigi, meanwhile, has played so many video games that he instantly grocks all this technology. Which, by the way, most of these computers are run on, like, gun controllers. They have light guns? It's all light guns. There's no mice, just light guns, because mice are mammals. Anyway, this prison has a built-in zip line. God, this whole escape scene is just not great. We have one of our first of, like, I don't know, 80 different sequences where Luigi is like, Look, I think the fungus is trying to offer me things. We get the explanation of what the fungus is later. And right now they're just trying to be like, the fungus is cool. But, like, it's not. If you have any sort of fungus growing around your home, don't, like, take things from it. You should get rid of that. Tell your parents if a fungus tries to offer you a wind-up toy. So the Mario Brothers escape prison and then make a break for it in one of the police cars which by the way all of these cars seem to run exclusively on sparks like their spoilers are 10 feet tall and i feel like they connect to a power grid from that but maybe they're just brakes instead sometimes the cars have brakes sometimes they don't i don't know how this movie got made somebody at some point involved in this just wanted to make a parody version of manhattan and just went to town and did not listen to anybody else involved in it and then they just had this now i feel like that could aptly describe this whole creation process someone decided they wanted to and didn't bother listening to anybody else so the cops have flamethrowers by the way all the cops have flamethrowers sure they try to just shoot fire at mario and luigi instead of like i don't know taking that car off the power grid or something they have this whole squabble about i want you to take the tunnel so i told you to take the freeway which really just makes me want to go back and watch The Incredibles again. Also, all this movie's budget was apparently spent on gasoline explosions. Because holy shit, gasoline explosions. This whole chase scene is like, fine. They made it for exactly as much money as they could. But what I really don't like about it is that it feels like it's on a set. Yeah. Like they didn't even try to hide that they are indoors right now. So they escape. A couple of cops blow up in a huge fireball, just like in the video game. They get into a tunnel, they get off the power grid, and then a whole bunch of fungus apparently saves them from dying and, well, sort of like Laverne and Shirley-ing off a cliff. I'm pretty sure you mean Thelma and Louise-ing. I totally do. (laughs) I don't remember the scene in Laverne and Shirley where they committed suicide (laughs) by driving off of a cliff. watch the director's cut but yeah so they like slowly bungee cord to the ground and now they're in the desert which is also a dump it's just trash this whole thing is just based on trash their entire economy is trash we see a globe at some point in the movie which basically implies that this entire alternate dimension is just dino haddon and then a wasteland for the rest of the planet so dennis hopper is hanging out in a mud jacuzzi and lena The vice president goes to pick up Daisy in this. I look at this outfit and all I can think of is that how much her boobs must hurt and how little she can probably breathe in that corset. (laughs) Because, man, those things are just crushed. And we also have another instance of Mrs. Dursley hating orphans who have their mother's eyes. Meanwhile, Spike and Iggy become worse than they've been in this whole movie. Koopa decides they need to be smarter. (laughs) He could have done this with anyone. He could have been doing this for so long. He probably could have solved Dino Hatton hunger. Yeah, it's weird that you have a machine that makes people smarter and you don't use it on 
everyone because your situation seems pretty bad and you should maybe put your heads together and try to figure a different way out of this other than get the rock yeah also why does this character is smart now always default to this character knows the square root of whatever because people who are bad film writers can't think of another way to demonstrate that somebody's intelligent iggy and spike get smart and then the writers spend the rest of the movie writing down a line and then flipping through the thesaurus until they find a sufficiently larger word that sort of means the same thing (laughs) and then they just swap it out meanwhile daisy trades out her extremely good 90s look for a purple dress with rocks on the edges also we briefly cut back to luigi in the desert shirtless wearing a pride belt so that's happening anyway who's ready for a fucking yoshi cameo i feel real bad for this yoshi he's like chained up and they're like oh yeah that's yoshi the royal pet this is like a goofy and pluto situation some dinosaurs are pets some dinosaurs are more equal than other dinosaurs. The best thing is that Daisy really rolls with the punches in this movie. She says yes and to every wild thing she is told about dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> this dress belonged to your mother. You know my mother? Yeah, your mother's dead. Oh, where's my father? And that's what she spends the rest of the movie worrying about. Not that, like, I want to go home. Or this place sucks. It's like, my father it's okay he's hanging around so dennis hopper creeps into the room and just sort of leches for like five minutes which includes this line you know what they say about little girls they never forget the first time they're kissed by a lizard i desperately want to know how many takes it took for dennis hopper to say that line (laughs) with a straight face his face also like grosses up for a second there maybe there was a draft where like when he was in the devo chamber for five seconds that like slowly is de-evolving him or something well, we did get like a shot of like his eye changing into like more lizardy and then back. And I think they're trying to be very subtle in this one instance and nowhere else in the movie that like, hey, maybe something's up. So Dennis Hopper leaves. And while Daisy decides to spend some time bonding with Yoshi, her new best friend animal, which is all any girl really wants, is a cool special best friend animal. We go back to the desert with Iggy and Spike. Who, despite being smart now, can't f***ing drive. They're in, like, a motorized shopping cart or something. Then the Mario Bros. just catch him, like, immediately. In what I think is actually, like, a pretty good visual gag. Because they're like, hey, we're gonna get you. And then the next scene is them tied up with Luigi's pride belt. And then this leads to a sequence that goes on way too long for the information that is delivered, which is that they agree to trade Daisy for the rock. Yep. That's about 45 minutes of the movie. They identify like, oh, that's Big Bertha by saying, was she corpulent? Very corpulent. See, it's a bigger word that means fat. And there's only one fat person in the entire city of Dino Hatton, I guess. They really should have said, did she look like she could end you with a whisper? Did she jet boot away while maintaining eye contact and looking just like a stone cold motherfucker? Yeah, Yeah, that was definitely Big Bertha then. But she's scary as shit, but also dangerously attractive. So it turns out she's like a bouncer, but not in the way that like a bouncer is a bouncer. (laughs) She more just like goes around inside the club and throws people out if she doesn't like them. The Mario Brothers and also the two awful characters, they sneak back into the city by attacking, like, guys in bondage gear with plungers. You may think we're exaggerating. We're not. That's what that scene is. And I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be the bloopers. Oh! Or, 
are like shy guys, maybe? This is supposed to be a reference to something, and I don't know if they know what. Anyway, they then steal the gas masks and just like, their entire disguise is just their regular clothes plus the gas masks, and they can get into the city that way. They're driving like a dump truck full of trash bags. They went into the desert to get the trash that everyone throws into the desert to bring it back into the city. (laughs) What is their economy? The boys change costumes because they are going to a hip nightclub and they have to seduce Big Bertha and do so incognito. And you think maybe, maybe this is the point. One of these suits are red. Surely the other one is going to be green. Surely we're wearing our colors now. Nope. Mario wears yellow. And then Mario gets punched out by a gigantic woman in red spikes, i.e. the best scene in the whole movie. (laughs) This club is incredibly saucy for a children's movie, right? Like, I'm not one to usually say that we should dump down things for children and not show them things, but this club seems way too saucy for, like, a G-rated film. Especially once Mario starts dancing with Big Bertha and, like, plunging his face into her cleavage to try and bite the necklace off her neck. Yeah. Also, at some point, Walk the Dinosaur starts playing. There are several areas of this nightclub that play different music, depending on if Mario's in it or not. (laughs) There's an entire dance floor dedicated to the Was Not Was song, Walk the Dinosaur, and nothing else. And I want to know how that f***ing song made it across the dimensional divide. The only other option I had is that it came from here and made it to our side. (laughs) I can actually believe the second one a lot more. Mario seduces Big Bertha primarily by asking if she would punch him in the face again, which, you know what? Not invalid. It's not a bad tactic. It works. And this is a very sexy dance and I don't care for it. (laughs) (laughs) I care for people dancing with Big Bertha in a sexy dance. I'm not sure Bob Hoskins in a mustard yellow suit like writhing against Big Bertha is what I really paid to see, isn't it? It's just weird that the movie got real horny all of a sudden. Speaking of this movie getting real horny all of a sudden, Lena shows up and I feel like there's a lot of long shots of her leather boots in this movie. There are. Oh, absolutely. This awakened a lot of people. Big Bertha has been sufficiently seduced. Mario has gotten the necklace from her. And while she is hurt, she also is really into Mario and helps them escape uh, and gives them cartridges that are shaped like little bullet bills for the stompers, which are the jump boots. The boots are stupid, but I love them. And I feel like that's the best thing I can say about this movie is that it's stupid, but I love it. Did they just rocket through the ceiling? They get some egg crates to break the glass because it's a realistic movie. The fungus attempts to offer Luigi a bob again. That goes nowhere because we're doing a chase scene that ends in them jumping into garbage from whence they came. So shall they return? <laughs> it's worth noting that at this point, Lena has the meteor. I don't know why they're still chasing Mario and Luigi. <laughs> that's a good question. It's got to be to keep up appearances because they hate them plumbers and they gotta get them anyway now we get a scene where dennis hopper yells at a fungus now we get the juicy backstory of how this city came to be in that it used to be run by a king and that now it is run by a president and the king is now a mushroom what i adore about this is that at one point dennis hopper actually says you can have your mushroom kingdom he said the thing oh my god So he de-evolved him into a mushroom, right? Like, that's what we're supposed to... Yeah. Later on, we will see somebody else get de-evolved all the way down to a primordial level, and he's just some wet gack. So does this mean that the king evolved from mushrooms? Which means that Daisy is also part mushroom, but she came from an egg. Also, I didn't even think about this till just now. That woman who dropped her off had to give birth to that enormous (laughs) egg. 
after taunting the king in a weird mushroom thing, he decides that the next thing he's going to do is President Koopa goes to order a pizza with a gun and he orders gross animal toppings. And that's going to be a recurring gag. And he's like, oh, hey, what's up, King Koopa? He's like, yeah, it's me. Pre- or sorry, President Koopa. I should get he's, he was a duly elected leader. What? <laughs> so do they have cheese on these pizzas? I nope. I can't. I can't follow <laughs> you down this road. It only leads to hell, which we're already in in with the dinosaurs. Mario and Luigi break into President Koopa's Trump Tower, I guess. Okay, that had to be on purpose. My favorite thing about breaking into the basement of the tower is that they look at the state of the pipes and they're like, oh, it must have been a non-union job. Like, this movie needs more plumbing humor. (laughs) Well, they're plumbers, kit, goddammit. Again, this is a plumbing-related plot thing because they have to plumb. They decide to turn off all the heating to make everything really cold. But no one actually reacts that way. Yeah, none of the lizards actually go into torpor. Why did they do it then? Anyway, jumpsuits. Yeah. Where'd the jumpsuits come from? I looked down for one minute and they had jumpsuits all of a sudden. There were some lockers in the background, but we never see anyone else dressed in these outfits. Well, then we might think they're Mario and Luigi. Finally, they're in red and green. They have jump boots on, but they're not going to use them to jump. Maybe they're out of cartridges. They don't care. And now we're about to intercut some sequences with the elevator scene. But let's just talk about the elevator scene right now. The biggest problem with the elevator scene is that they are not playing the underwater music from Mario, which would be the perfect weird slow dance music to play during this sequence. God, that would have been perfect. You're right. You've ruined at least one thing, movie. You got one thing wrong. Just the one. Mario and Luigi are in a large elevator and Goombas keep coming in from both sides. And they don't know how to get out of it. But Luigi gets an idea that I don't know how he got the idea or why it works. He's got a feeling. What if the Goombas dance? (laughs) His excuse later on is everyone loves dancing. Intercut with this elevator scene. We have Iggy and Spike. We discover that they have been arrested because they were saying mean things about Koopa. So I guess they're good now. Or were the whole time? The script is unclear. You guys, though, you guys. SMB movie suggests that there may, in fact, have been a rap. A rap that they did at the bar that was cut. With good reason, one would assume. There are some partially cobbled together lyrics. They are not particularly good, but they are amazing. I am so upset that we did not get a rap in this movie. Let me just give you a section here. Well, stop and think this through. It's time to get rid of you-know-who. A radical development is taking place. Iggy and Spike will set the pace. Koopa. The party poopa. The poopa scoopa. And that's that's a very small segment. There is more. Oh my god. There doesn't need to be. But apparently, Iggy and Spike were arrested because they were rapping. They were arrested for rap crime. Yeah. Also, another scene intercut here is like Daisy's escape, which starts with Toad Goomba bringing her raw steaks. Koopa ordered a pizza earlier. Why are they feeding her raw steaks? You know, so she can say she's a vegetarian and he can leave and go get her a plate of vegetables. But raw steaks. Well, because they're dinosaurs. Also, Lena comes in to try and, like, abduct slash kill Daisy. It's unclear. The important thing to know is that this movie has a Yoshi tongue reveal. Lena stabs Yoshi, and then Daisy's like, cool, thanks, Yoshi, and leaves. (laughs) (laughs) 
which is terrible. And while she is trying to escape, Toad comes back with some steamed vegetables and somehow gets set on fire. I don't quite remember how that happened, but he definitely stands there burning. And it was very upsetting for me when I watched that as a kid. Yeah, Daisy actually goes back with a fire extinguisher and puts him out. Oh, so, so she'll go back for Toad, but not for Yoshi? <laughs> Listen, f- Yoshi. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Iggy and Spike meet up with Daisy and then we cut back to the elevator where Luigi and Mario are climbing out the top hatch into the elevator shaft. Because all of this has been happening while they've been making Goombas dance together. This movie does not manage tension well. No, I think that's well documented. And then the elevator finally gets to the floor it's supposed to be on, and, like, the Goomba's manager, (laughs) another Goomba, is waiting for them. And it's like, hey, quit dancing, because they're all dancing together now. Like, this is, they started off just kind of, like, bobbing back and forth, and now they are slow dancing with each other, and it's precious. So Luigi and Mario wander around in an elevator shaft for a while. Luigi thinks he's flying when he gets his belt hooked on a hook. Yeah, this movie has Bob Hoskins absolutely certain for a moment that his little brother has fallen to his death, you know, for the kids. Bob Hoskins, you could have phoned that in a little more. That was upsetting. So Iggy and Spike, who have also said that they were always her father's most ardent supporters, which is either a lie or the script is just bad. They take Daisy to see her father, which is in that throne room, which, by the way, this is a total Mario thing. This is like Mario 3, where, like, every time you go to a castle and, like, a princess has been kidnapped or something, or Mario has to go get a wand, the king has been turned into some kind of animal or something. Except in this movie, he's been turned into a big, wet testicle. And then Iggy and Spike leave the movie forever, except for the end credit scene. Yeah, so he's just like one big dangling testicle, isn't he, huh? They said fungus, and what they decided to do was big, wet, fleshy ball that descends from the ceiling. It's not good. And Daisy, again, who just yes-ands everything in this movie, is like, father? Also, Yoshi's here now. He's still got a knife in him, by the way. And he he has his, like, collar chain on, and she just now lets him go. (laughs) She could have taken that off at any point. He doesn't have a lock. Yeah. This is her best friend as far as we know. And then Daisy has to figure out this light gun technology for this computer system because I guess the entire security system is in this throne room. And then we get back to what the script is built upon, which is Daisy! Luigi and Mario show up and then Daisy tells Mario that Daniela is here because Mario has been completely unaware that she's been abducted the whole movie. Yeah, he doesn't even know. She also introduces them both to her father, the living scrotum. And Luigi kind of buys in. (laughs) He's a believer, Kit. And Mario goes to find Daniela and the other girls. He does this by, like, hiding in, like, the ductwork. Daniela is actually subtle about this. She, like, does some hand signals to him, and then one of the other girls up and is like, Hi, Mario! Man, I wish more of the movie had, like, Mario and Daniela operating as a couple, because their dynamic is fun. It's really good. <laughs> Maybe the best executed thing in the movie is their relationship. Like, far and away. Anyway, this is a movie with a bobsled chase sequence. But on a bunch of dirty mattresses. Like, the Goombas give chase on another dirty mattress. Do they get spit out into more trash? I feel like all roads lead to trash in this movie. It definitely leads back to that, like, five feet long street they have. In between this happening, King Koopa shows up at the throne room, abducts Luigi and Daisy, and as they're exiting the building, the pipe spits Mario and the girls out right in the same spot. We have a short sequence where Lena is, like, kind of arrested because she has the meteorite or something. At some point, she tries to say 
I have the rock. We can just do it now. We don't need Daisy because I hate her. And Koopa's like, no, I need Daisy. Doesn't even listen to her. She's like, fine, I'll do it. And then tells a bunch of people just to start the countdown to merging or something. It's really not very clear. This is a confusing final act in a very confusing movie. So Koopa gets the rock. He hears on the radio that the Goombas are dancing again because that's a joke. Also, at one point, they all get devolution guns. This factors in exactly once later on. It factors in twice, to be fair. It does factor in twice. I'm sorry. So they sneak some bullet bill capsules into their jump boots and knock Koopa over the railing into some kind of large container. Lena shows back up and gets the rock, and I don't remember how. I do remember she gets, like, knocked over into an electrical grid and her hair gets all crazy. Yeah, she just sort of falls over and then gets some Bride of Frankenstein hair, even though, like, her entire body is basically fried from the inside out now. Yeah, well, she's a dinosaur, so they're not, they're not as conductive as mammals. Everyone knows that. <laughs> it's the cloaca. It's also a ground Grounding wire, their cloaca. We split up into a couple of parties again. Mario and President Koopa are going to have a little show off while Luigi and Daisy get all of the girls to go back to the meteorite room after Lena, who's going to go shove the little meteorite shard into the actual rock itself. And there's definitely a moment where Luigi starts ordering these women around and they're like, who the hell are you? I'm Luigi Mario. You can trust me. <laughs> He's saying, get to Brooklyn, tell them about the invasion and the Goombas. It's Brooklyn. There's people yelling about lizard invasions on every street corner. They're not going to make much of a difference. Also, when they jump through that wall, they go right into a ravine. <laughs> They're all fine. We see them get out. But like these girls are quick thinking because like if I would appear over a ravine, I'd be like, well, this is where I die, I guess. <laughs> Then Lena puts the rock back in the meteorite, and they say it's a chip that broke off of the meteorite that killed the dinosaurs and sent them to hell. And there's just, like, this little, like, keyhole that you fit this crystal in. And then you lock the world, and then you get to move on to Star Fox. My next note here is, wow, that shot of the Twin Towers disintegrating did not age well. Oh, boy, yeah. Because the rock is in the keyhole, the two worlds start merging. Lena gets zapped into the wall. Lena is dead now. And Daisy, who again is just buying into everything, she's like, of course, because I'm of the royal blood, only I can withstand the force of the meteorite something something. Mario and Koopa are dragged to the construction site above ground, whatever, sure. Scapelli's there, and they're trying to shut the site down still, and someone has a Devo gun and shoots Capelli and makes him a chimpanzee. Koopa's delighted by this. He just looks at it and shouts, monkey! And then Luigi augers the, like, shard out of the rest of the meteor and they merge back. <laughs> More problems solved by plumbing. Plumbing makes the world go round. So we go back to the tiny closed set of Dino Hatton. And Mario launches a bob bomb. I think before the dimensions merge, he finally gets a bob bomb. And by the way, these things are like a couple inches tall. They're little wind-up toys. And he launches the wind-up toy, and we do this whole incredibly long sequence where it keeps cutting back to the wind-up toy, slowly making its way over to where Koopa is, while, like, people just sort of look on in horror. And my next note, I think, is the line that perfectly sums up a lot of this movie, which is, the bob bomb is wearing Reeboks. <laughs> yep. Toad does his part, the harmonica finally comes back into play, and he plays harmonica music and all the Goombas stop and start dancing. Because everyone loves dancing. They shoot him, uh, Koopa, with the Devo gun like 500 times, and so he turns into a dinosaur, and then he turns into some gak that was left out in the sun, so it's real runny. 
And then like the last 10 minutes of this movie is just fishing for a sequel. My favorite thing about this is as the king turns into a people again and talks about how much he loves plumbers, the Mario brothers do a victory lap. And by that, I mean, Luigi is the only one wearing boots. So Mario climbs onto his brother's shoes, gives him a big hug, and then they just sort of jump around the city and wave. Luigi's actually doing the queen wave, which is like wrist, wrist, elbow, elbow. Pretty good for him, too. And then we go to three weeks later, because Daisy's going to stay in the Mushroom Kingdom or Dino Hatton and understand who she truly is. Also, she gets a pet dinosaur here. Do you think one of the sequel options was we put Yoshi in the Evo machine and he's sexy now? (laughs) Almost definitely. (laughs) It's three weeks later, and Luigi's in a funk because his girlfriend wanted to stay in hell rather than come back. Be the queen of hell, basically? It's good work if you can get it. And then the door bursts in and there is Terminator 2 Sarah Connor version of Daisy with a gun. (laughs) I don't remember what she says, but she's like, you're not going to believe what's going on in Dinotopia right now. (laughs) Mario's like, I believe. I'm a believer. I experience character growth. Then the movie ends and instead of like the credits starting, it says like, you're about to listen to Almost Unreal by Roxette. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you guys have to tell me about the send credit sequence. (laughs) Okay. It's the entire credits, too. This is no mid-credits bullshit. This is the whole thing. We open on two Japanese businessmen, probably from a video game company, if I had to guess. And they said, we're going to make your story a video game, Uh and it'll be great. And you think it's going to be Mario and Luigi, but but Annie. It's not? No, it's Spike and Iggy. And they bounce some names off each other. They're still pretty insufferable. And they both end up on the Super Koopa Cousins. (laughs) And then the movie ends. Thanks. I hate it. Are are we done? Are we officially done here? There's no more movie after that. And somehow it didn't get a sequel. Wouldn't you know? I feel like I've been on a journey today. So this is a movie made specifically for Jake Mason, obviously. Yep. So what about this movie really attracts you to it, Jake? It's really bad. And I like that in a movie sometimes. It's nominally Mario, right? Like, it's called Mario. And there's some Mario stuff in here, but they really tried to put their own spin on it and make it their own. And for better or worse, they did. I guess I just appreciate that. And I understand why Nintendo hates it, but I do wish they would get over that and put it out on Blu-ray in America. (laughs) For me, Nintendo? For your friend Jake, please? Okay, I think it is time for our final facts. Kit, what's your final fact? Dinosaur jokes are hard. Mac, what's your final fact? Don't throw away your bun whenever you get a hot dog, because you're going to be eating it in your real world anyway. Annie, what's your final fact? Cloacas are overrated, or perhaps underrated. And Jake, what's your final fact? Well, you almost snaked mine, and that is that cloacas are uh, electrically resistant, but not as resistant as mushrooms. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Jake, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this movie with us today. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I probably won't be invited back because <laughs> you had to watch this movie. But I, yeah, I had, a, I had a ton of fun. Folks that follow our things probably know that you are our very gracious editor for Gem Jammer. But where else can people find your stuff online? Uh, I'm on Twitter at JJ underscore Mason, and I have one metric McElroy of podcasts. I'll just say a couple of them. So there's the Morphin Grid, which is a episode by episode recap of the Power Rangers. We are in Lightspeed Rescue right now, which rules, even though I was told exclusively that it was boring. I don't know what they were talking about. It's really good. Uh, There's Kingdom Smarts, where Shannon Maynard has to explain Kingdom Hearts to me 30 minutes at a time. I've heard that she has explained it to you, not with that time limit, which is why I put the time limit on it. (laughs) 
because I can't handle too much Kingdom Hearts at once. Let's see. There's Pokemon World Tour and Pokemon World Tour United. One of those is a, I guess, an audio Let's Play of Pokemon. And the other one is a actual play uh, RPG of us playing Pokemon, the tabletop version. Uh, there's Cool Kids Table where we play a bunch of different tabletop games, including the Sailor Moon RPG in a Magical Girl series called Sequinox that is really fun. And Sequinox is just coming out to its season two, right? This very day, you can go listen to arc two of, of Sequinox, which is, I have not said anything about it. We're keeping it under our hats. It's buck wild. It's a really good time. And also, if you want to listen to uh, Fallen Gods on Cool Kids Table as well, that may be uh, something that you might want to keep an eye on if you like Jump Jammer. That's like if um, the characters on the Gem Jammer were just garbage at being heroes. <laughs> and also sort of speedrunning D&D in a way. Join us next time when we'll have another very good and very real and very indisputable fact for you. We haven't quite decided what that is yet, but we will. Until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And I'm Jake. And we have fought you. Oh.